This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. With your hosts, Brendan Spinner, Michael Burns, and Kyle Rowe. And welcome into another edition of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. This is episode 10. I'm Brandon Spinner, as always, alongside Michael Burns and Kyle Rhodes. This is our first post-Thanksgiving episode. It's the final episode of November, but it's going to be posted in December. So happy December. Kyle, how are you doing tonight, my man? How was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic because I got to chill with you. Aww. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, my, my Thanksgiving was stuck at work because the news never sleeps and we were both stuck at work uh, doing the news. Michael, how was your Thanksgiving? You get get some stuff done? You have family over? What, what's going on, man? I did. I got some some stuff outside done, a little project I was proud of for the patio. Uh, Angie, my wife, she cooked the all-Thanksgiving dinner herself. It was very delicious. She was very Jeez. proud of it. Awesome. We got uh, Bob Evans, and there wasn't enough of it at work, but I'm not going to go into that. And then turkey tips. <laughs> and then and then we got, uh, later in the day, we got turkey tips and greens. So we, we had multiple Thanksgiving foods uh, at the station, but uh, Amy did make some Any food. stuffing? Uh, there, some with stuffing. the first part, there was stuffing. No dressing, but stuffing the way it is. Uh, and then we had that uh, at home. Amy made a quick dinner that I ran home and had on Thursday as well. But most of my day was spent at the station. But uh, so Thanksgiving, last week, Michael and I last week talked about what our favorite Thanksgiving food was. Kyle, we didn't get yours, so I want to do that now, even though we're past that. Go. Hmm, what were yours to refresh my memory? I know yours is sweet potato pie, Brandon. That's my favorite dessert. My favorite. We both favorite. said stuffing. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is stuffing. It's stuffing. So <laughs> all three of us love stuffing. Uh, favorite dessert? Like Thanksgiving dessert? My mother-in-law makes a pretty dope pecan pie. Nope. Dope. <laughs> is that word coming back? Yeah. Oh, it, it never went out of style, Michael. It never went out of style. Uh, it's it's flipping sweet. <laughs> it's flipping sweet. Um, so... Thanksgiving, we're recording this on November 30th, uh, but this will drop in December on the 1st. So the first day of December, we're in Christmas season. Uh, not talking bourbon or baseball yet. Favorite Christmas movie, Michael? Uh, I've always, I'm going to give two because mm-hmm. one's like the Christmas classic. You Santa Claus is coming. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. We're like cream Claymation. baby. Yeah. Burglar Meister Meister Burglar. <laughs> that heat heat meister and all that? Oh no, that's a year without a Santa Claus. Sorry. Yeah. So that fine. That's that's my one. That's, that's my your favorite. one? What was your one B since you can never pick two? I pick always one. liked to watch Jingle All the Way with Turbo oh, Bob. That's a good one too. Sinbad? Uh no, that's Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well Sinbad's Arnold, but Sinbad fun. is the uh the bad guy. Oh, I was thinking the postman. Uh, I met Sinbad at my last station. He was pretty cool. Uh, Kyle, favorite Christmas movie? Go. Just off the top, I got to pick the Tim Allen Santa Claus. That's a good classic. One. Classic. Yep. Uh, every year, I've got to watch The Grinch, the Jim Carrey, The Grinch. It's oh, the Jim I, Carrey one. Yeah. Uh, every time I watch it, there is something different I pick up on, and I'm going to tell this to you guys. I always tell this to anybody who. I talked to the Grinch about watch the scene when he comes flying into town and he bounces off of everything and he lands in Martha May's 
bosom in her chest uh, with her his face in between her tits. Uh, <laughs> okay, I think we got that. <laughs> his is face is in between. No, so look at the back when he goes boo. There's a little person that falls from a building, and if you look at it, you can hear him go wee down to the ground, <laughs> and you'll never not see it ever again. So check it out. The next time you see it, over the next couple of weeks, when he goes, we watch it. Boo, we've we've been watching the cartoon one, the classic with the with the girls. They, I mean, the regular one. The last we've never two, watched two that days. one. We watched Elf the other day too. That's a good one. That's a classic, and that's a good Santa! one. For... I know him. I'm curious to see what. Disney Plus does with this Santa Claus. Oh, the Redux. The the third movie was kind of bad, so I don't know what the season's yeah. going to be. Um, but uh, last year, eight. Did you guys watch Eight Bit Christmas last year? I think it's an HBO Max. Uh, it's with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. It's pretty good, especially Michael. Oh, you, really? Yeah, it's about living in the Chicago suburbs in the 1980s when you were trying to get an NES system, like the old school Nintendo. It's really funny. And like the garb, like all the clothes that they're wearing is like 1980s-ish. So if you get a chance, check it out if you yeah, have I HBO like, Max. Yeah, I like Neil Patrick Harris from uh, How Much Your Mother. Yeah, he's hilarious. And he's like basically narrating everything, like back in the 1980s. She's huh. like, you're so old, but that's a good one. So we talked uh, Christmas. Now let's get into business. It is uh, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Again, it's a podcast. So a big shout out to f- all our listeners. You're who makes us do that. Not you don't make us do it, but uh, yeah, I love. Yeah, that's a reason. When, yep. When people get feedback that hey, I listen to you at, in the car, I listen to you at the gym. Right. I love hearing when people when you listen to us. Right. I think when that's you listen, fun. or what part of the podcast was your favorite? Um, Quit texting and driving. Yeah, voice to text. Um, But a shout out, uh, a guy who listens, he actually does more of his listening on YouTube. And if you don't know that, we do have our own YouTube channel and videos there. So you can, hi, 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 mom. Um, Daniel, uh, he goes by at bourbon underscore hunt. Today's his birthday, November 30th. So I want to give a big happy birthday to him. He actually sent Michael and I another mystery sample that we're going to hopefully try over the next couple of weeks. And not die from and not die from. And Kyle, I have a sealed envelope with the the answer in it that I will get to you at work. Uh, but a big shout out to Daniel. And while we're on the shout outs, we got another review on Apple Podcasts. Last week, I shouted out Kristen Swilly. She gave us a review. We got another one. I'm assuming it's Ben at Bourbon in the Borough. Uh, it was not his name at Bourbon in the Borough. It was B something. I don't want to give his full name out if he doesn't want to have that out. But uh, Thank you. Uh, and that's a call for reviews. If you're listening to this, Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, and hey, we're now on Amazon. Go check us out there. But Give us the money, Bezos. <laughs> Can we go fly on your penis ship? <laughs> <laughs> Mark that one. What happens when uh, you put us <laughs> back in a room together? <laughs> but... Um, so that's a call for reviews. If you can please, please, please listen to this. Scroll in your app, Apple, Spotify. I haven't gone through Amazon yet, but uh, click the five stars and write down what you like. Uh, I'm assuming it was Ben. If it's not Ben and it's someone else who um, we don't know or hasn't reached out to us, thank you. But uh, it was a very nice, very, very nicely worded, worded review. Easy for me to say. Uh, so thank you. Um, and speaking of that, as I mentioned, we're now on Amazon Podcasts, so big shout out to Amazon. You can listen to us there. I know a lot of people are now starting to turn to that. 
do you, you guys know that we've got a listener in India? According to Arthur? I'm in I'm India. <laughs> India mom. <laughs> Is that what you were gonna say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just talking about how attractive oh. you are. You started drinking already. No, I haven't. I, and then I realized he could have said Jonathan India. Uh we also got a listener or at least he's listened a couple times in Germany and one in Ghana. So shout out to the Ghanaians. Is that how you say it? Y'all gonna listen? <laughs> Y'all gonna listen. Oh my <laughs> This is You're Dad Joke the- <laughs> Hour, brought to you by Barrels and Barrels. And we haven't even started the alcohol portion of that. Uh, but And I won't. <laughs> well, Kyle, we'll get you there. We're working on it. What you may have seen on Instagram the other day from us is it was our 100th post. We called it our Bottle and Bond post. So, cool. That's kind of a milestone, 100 posts on Instagram. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> are you trying to convince us or no, i'm just or, asking you what, what do you think no that was cool i love yeah. that the, the the bottle and bond post i mean that, that is bourbon as you get it right there 100 yeah. proof 100 posts it's, a, it's the classiest you'll ever see me <laughs> brandon sent me that as like hey here's the here's what it looks like i died laughing for those of you who haven't looked at it go check out our instagram page and uh our 100th post it's our bottled in bond post but kyle misunderstood the assignment uh so we'll just leave was it that, at that was that was that photoshop would you actually get the a tux on oh that was that was brandon using photoshop <laughs> hey come on man that looked pretty good <laughs> that's the best you're gonna look he said <laughs> so to transition that that was our bottle in bond post we're gonna go with a bottle in bond for our bourbon review this week this week it is the heaven hill bottled in bond it is a seven year old bourbon uh michael have you it is distilled by heaven hill distillery in Louisville, kentucky are you making fun of the way i talk you making fun of the way i talk all right game on bitch <laughs> <laughs> have you cracked yours open yet i sure have all right um so heaven and hill that's who in fresh pop uh, is one of my favorite distilleries. Probably, if I had to pick, my favorite of the the major distilleries out there. Oh, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think that there's something that I haven't tried from there that I didn't like. What's your three ones you would name off for anybody that doesn't know Heaven Hill products? Uh, Elijah Craig, uh, Heaven and Hill Bottom Bod. There's Old Fitzgerald. There's also Henry McKenna 10, uh, Larceny barrel proof or regular larceny uh, i think there's rittenhouse rye they've got that a lot of people don't know that jts brown the bottle and bond that is a heaven and hill product uh mellow corn comes from them as well they do a lot of bottle and brown bottle bro and i didn't bottle. i didn't realize all those you just listed were heaven hill yeah so that's why i say i'm a very big fan of heaven hill uh which you can get there in bardstown um so this week's review uh you see it a lot more on social media here the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's because they're pushing it out. I bought this at the Kroger down the street. I've got a second bottle that I got back in Chicago a couple months or years ago. Uh, this is a good one. Um, this is a seven-year-old bourbon. It is bottled in bonds, so that means it reaches the criteria uh, that needs to be met by the government to become a bottle in bond. It has to be aged four years. It has to be bottled at 100 proof. Um does this one say if it's in the spring or the fall? It has to be distilled and then barreled in a certain season, either spring or the fall. Um, and we'll do the more of an in-depth, like what's, what is a bottled in bond opposed to just a regular bourbon or regular whiskey uh, at a later date. But 
for the gist of it, it's basically controlled by the government in a way. So uh, that was set back in the 1897 Balin Bond Act. So, Michael, have you read much about this? I know you have it open. You've tried it. What are your thoughts initially? I've, I've tried it. Um, I always see it out there. I, I don't, I'm not able to get it here locally. I scored mine on my business trip to South Carolina where I, everyone can remember paper my cup. paper cup incident. incident. I'll score this for MSRP of what about lower fifties. Well, MSRP, they list at 40 bucks, but right now it's really hard to find anything less than 50. I think I got mine for 49 99 uh, what's sad is this used to be a 12 to $15 bourbon. It's seven years now, and they changed the labeling on it. The old one used to be six years, and it was the white label, uh, and that was 12 to 13 sometimes 15 and that was only sold in Kentucky. Now this is more of a national uh, bottle that gets distributed, so that's why you're seeing it a lot more, and that's probably why the price is going up also with the bourbon boom, but you're probably more likely to find it between 45 to 55 bucks right now. Yeah, that was all. I, I was excited to go outside outside the state of Alabama to shop, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, this was the only thing I really found. I wouldn't call it a a bad find. If, no. if you're not able to find it in Alabama, for sure, it's it's a good find. I found mine at the Kroger down the street. Some people are really starting to drive the price up on this. I won't probably pay any more than sixty bucks for it. Yeah. Okay. So color, I would say. It's darker, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's the it's a medium dark. It's not like the darkest you're going to find, but it's not light by any means. It is a seven year bourbon, so that is longer in the barrel than most would be. Um, what do you get on the nose right off the bat? I feel like I get a a dark cherry. It is a dark. It's not a light nose. It is a dark nose. I got vanilla, which is kind of normal. Right. Uh, cherries there for sure. I've got more of a yeah a, a darker cherry. It, I got sweet to begin with my nose, and then now it's more of a savory cherryish than like that sweet like tart. So, <laughs> Michael, uh, what, what, you took the a sniff sip. There got me. I took a, I took the sip, and man, I got slapped with a sweetness on the on the outside of my tongue. Um. Like a sugary, sugary sweetness. I don't know if that's caramel or, um, but it was initially a slap of sweetness. I wouldn't say it's a sweet taste because then it Mm-mm. mellows out in the finish there. But that first sip, and it, it was my first bourbon sip of the night, so I didn't, right. I didn't get my my mouth used to it yet. What do you got? Uh, I got vanilla again. The oak is there, but it's not overpowering. This is like that sweet oak that I like. Uh, it's got a sweet oak and vanilla. I don't really get caramel out of this. Um, this is more of a sweet palate to me. The finish is smooth, and it's. I would. I wouldn't say it's long, but I wouldn't say it's like too short either. I think it's perfect. Like the finished portion of this where it just lingers and it doesn't burn. There's no none of that pepper that we normally talk about on the back end. No, you don't get any of the pepper? I, that's no. what I, that's, I get that. The pepper for me lingers. Really? Mm-hmm. So that sweetness slap, now that my second sip, I got, I got a good Kentucky chew going on it. And that pepper, that sweetness, sweetness spice, is, I'm, I'm kind of tying those together because it is a sweet spice. 
Um, and that spice lingers for me in this. And I think that's what I remember from my previous pours of it, too. I so like a guy with a sweet tooth. What's the proof on this? 100. So is that for a novice like me? Is that a starting point or you go way lower than that? Uh, I'd, no, I'd go lower. A lower for a starter. Um, it can't be a bourbon unless it's 80 or more when it comes to proof. So that's 40%. I would say 100 is kind of the dividing point. What about you, Michael? From like st- anything under that is probably more of a starter and a lighter. Anything you get past 100 is where you're talking hot. Uh, some of those barrel proofs are going to be around 105. I think the one new riff that I had was about 106. So 100 is kind of that line. Line. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to blow you away. The This doesn't, I don't feel like it's 100 proof when I drink it. Michael, what do you think? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I feel like it's lower than that, though. I, I, but if, if I would guess, if I were to say, is it 90 or 110, I would guess more than 110 because of that spice I'm getting. See, I, like my my tongue says 95 to 100. Mm. Yes, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't have the, the spice. Yeah. And th- hey, we that's what makes it cool and fun, right? Because everybody's got their own different thoughts. No, Brandon, <laughs> you're wrong. Now that I'm talking, now that I'm talking, there's like, it starts to talk back to me on the tongue, if that makes sense. Like I, what's it saying? It, it's got a little bit, sp- <laughs> it says I, it's, I'm a little spicier than you want to give me credit for, buddy. Yeah. I would like, if I blinded this, I would say 100, like 108. Really? Mm-hmm. It might be because I generally prefer hotter pours. Like I normally drink 105 to 120 regularly. Yep. So the but, 90s, I don't. I, I'm the 90s are a struggle. Anything below 90, like I saw Widow Jane 10 year on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. All right, it's on. I think it was Black Friday, and they had it on special. And I looked at, it, I was like, eight. I think 86 proof. And I was like, oh, that's not worth it. No. Well, I think 86 proof, and I think of like regular Old Forester, not even the 100 proof Old Forester, just a regular 86. So rating scale, where would you put this? For me, this is a bench platter for me. Um, the the spice kind of takes away too much of the flavor. Um, the, the first, you know, the sniff, you get the cherries, the fruit, you kind of get excited, the sweetness, but it, it punches too much for me that it hides the flavor. So I kind of lied. I said that it was a, it wasn't too long of a finish. Like this finish now, I still feel it, and I haven't sipped in about a minute. So I'm going to change my thought on the finish. It's a lot longer and lingering than I had anticipated, especially after the first two sips. It doesn't blow me away though, as in like heat wise. I'm going to go with an everyday player. I have two bottles of this. I'll usually have one of these at the house at all times if I can find it and it's affordable. I'm not paying anything more than 55 bucks for this. I think I got this for 49 to 54. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I wouldn't go any higher than that um, just because it compares to a lot of other things that are out there. I would take Elijah Craig over this, just a regular small batch. Agreed. Um, which is cheaper at $25. But I think... I think you would be okay to have this 
and share with people, right? I think people would enjoy this. If you brought someone over who liked bourbon, I think they would, I think you could pull the rye fans and you can pull the bourbon fans into one with this. I think you, I agree with that point. I think this has the spice of the, of the, of a rye. Um, it is, it is, um, a different enough flavor, I think, to, to pull off the shelf every now and then. Um, so I agree with you on that, Brandon. And I wonder if you don't like it as much because it's actually more of a malted barley than a rye on the second mm. half. It's 78% corn, 12% malted barley, and 10% rye when it comes to the mash bill. Ooh, okay. So the barley and the rye are flipped on that. Usually it goes corn, rye, and then barley, uh, or <clears throat> wheat and then the barley. Uh, so that's where that differs a little bit. I don't get that malted barley like kick that you normally would do, right? Like you normally get the peatiness out of it, don't you? Is that what you normally talk about? About like the malt barley? Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's not even the peatiness. I'm trying to look up one that I know and see what the mash bill of it is that I know is really peat, um, malted barley. From, so from the tasting notes on Heaven Hill, they say aroma, vanilla, honey, and rich caramel. I didn't really get too much caramel out of this. I did get the vanilla. Uh, I would probably have to search for the honey, but it's probably there. Smooth, warm, and sweet, subtle rye spice note. You pick that up. Uh, caramel and honey mingle with just enough oak. I got the oak for sure, and I got oak I and can, vanilla. So take a light sip. Don't take a, a heavy sip. Take a light sip, and you'll get that honey. So I think there's not enough for it to overwhelm your mouth, and I think you can get that honey with just a light sip. I got like so a maybe, honey oak, right? Yeah, so maybe this is a real good light sip or something that you're gonna sip. Like I wonder. I wonder if you put ounces. an ice cube in it, uh, if that were to change the. I know I don't. I normally drink my neat, but or even a drop of water. I wonder if that would change it a hundred percent for you because it's gonna thin it out just enough to where you're probably not getting that kick. That would be one like to my, experiment. Yeah, I don't like it cold. I don't like it. I like my room temp. Like, you know, you're supposed yeah. to do neat, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah, just something to change it up. But I'm going to go yeah. with an everyday player just because ever since I've been able to find these, I've always had one on my shelf. And uh, I find that when I have one open, it goes fast. So uh, everyday player on that. So that is Heaven and Hill Distilleries, Heaven and Hill Bottled in Bond, uh, seven-year bourbon, distilled and bottled. Uh, this is DSP is in Kentucky, so Louisville, Kentucky, and then bottled by Bardstown. So what that's saying is it was distilled where they distill in Louisville, but they bottled it in Bardstown, which they have to put on the bottle for the Bottled in Bond uh, Act from 18, uh, 1897. So good stuff. I love Heaven, Heaven Hill. I always want to say heaven in hill, but it's I, heaven I, hill. I know. I want to say the same thing. When I make when I was the graphics, making, I wanted to put and on it. Yeah. So heaven when hill. When I was making fun of you talking, I had to look up. I was like, oh, it's just heaven hill, not heaven yeah. in hill. It, like, part of me always wants to put that in in the middle. I don't know why. Maybe it's like one of those Bernstein bears or Bernstein bears. You know, <laughs> you know the conspiracy theory behind all that? Maybe at one point it was heaven and hill. Uh, Oh, right. You know, like, what's that called? The Mandela effect? Mandela effect? Mandela. Yeah. So I would give this a, a, an everyday pour. Michael's going with the bench, but again, a bench isn't a knock. It's just not going to be something that you're always going to. Something that's not going to get drained quickly, probably. Something that's nice to have on the shelf, but yeah. Nice for key situations. Hey gang, we wanted to take a break from the booze and ball talk to talk about some booze and ball apparel. 
Walkoffs and Whiskey is doing something special for you, the listeners. Head over to walkoffsandwhiskey.com and use the code BNB at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's code BNB at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. Now, let's get back to the show. As we turn from bourbon, now we go to the baseball portion of the Bourbon and Baseball podcast. And what we've been doing here for the last couple of weeks is some trivia. Uh, I got a couple of cool trivia questions here. I think one or two of them, I mean, one of them you should get. The second one is going to be a little more difficult, but it should be possible. Uh, So one of the big news in baseball over the last couple of days is the Jose Abreu signing um, to the Houston Astros. And we'll touch on that here in a second, as far as the details of the signing. But the trivia question is Jose Abreu was an all-star at first base in 2018 for the AL team. Who was the last Astros first baseman to start an all-star game? Michael, turn Google off. (laughs) I'm going to say Jeff Bagwell. And Kyle, what is your answer? Uh, I don't know. So Astros, first base. The last first baseman for the Astros to start an all-star game. Kyle Tucker. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Tucker because of Kyle, and he plays the outfield. Uh, Yes. You were both incorrect. It was Lance Berkman. Dang it. And he was the starter. Uh, at first oh. base in 2008. but I even Googled it, and it couldn't give me the right answer. <laughs> Lance Berkman was my next one. I was like, no, nah, maybe he was in the outfield still at that point. Yeah, well, that's, when the, he tricky, was on the, that's Astros. the tricky part, right? Is where was he playing at what time? And all Right. That. I, I, I was thinking when he was on the Astros, maybe he was still in the outfield when he was making the all-star team. Yeah. Because that was the time of the killer bees, Biggio, Bagwell, and Berkman. Mm-hmm. And then 2005, they went to the World Series and lost to the White Sox, which is where Jose Abreu came from. And that's where the second trivia question comes. Jose Abreu hit 243 home runs with the White Sox. That is the third most in their franchise's history. Can you name who the other two players ahead of him are? Kyle, you're first this time. I know nothing about the White, the White Sox. Sox. All right, Kyle, you have defaulted to Michael. <laughs> I'm going with the Big Hurt, Frank okay. Thomas, and Paul Canerco. And he's looking at the answer on his screen right now because I can <laughs> see his eyes dart back and forth. It was Frank. Can you tell me how many home runs they had? Because it's on your screen right now. No, it's not on my <laughs> yes, it is. Can, yes, it I is. I can take my secondary camera right here and show you my screen. Uh, so it is. Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco. So Michael go. got it. He's, he's, he's celebrating because he figured out where I get the trivia questions I from. I did not. I, that was 2000s. I could easily know 2000s it baseball was. trivia. So do you know how close the two of them are within home runs? Um, Eight. I think Frank Thomas is – I don't know if he eclipsed 500. Canerco did not eclipse 500. I'm going to say Thomas is in – just no, he's like in 500s. Canonical, no, I don't know, Brandon. So, with the franchise, Frank Thomas hit 448. He did end up hitting 500. I believe he did that with the Blue Jays when he did that. Frank Thomas was my favorite player growing up, all time favorite player, the big hurt, really. But I didn't realize how many Paul Canerco hit with the White Sox. It's 432, so they're only 16 apart. 
And that's one and two franchise history? One and two in franchise history, and then Abreu's third at 243, which kind of tells the story on the longevity of players for the White Sox that were good. Um, like Tomei played for them, hit a bunch of home runs, but it was only three or four years. Adam Dunn either hit a home run or struck out with the White Sox, and I think he hit less than 100. So those are my two trivia questions this week. Yeah, and he was only on the team for two or three years, too, where he was like a stud. Albert Bell, you can name those players, but then you got to go back to Nellie Fox era. you got to go back to um, – name's blanking on me. Uh, he does pre- and post-game some days. Uh, Bill Melton. The Hawk. Uh, Hawk doesn't do the games anymore for the White Sox. But moving on from the trivia, we're going to go on into the offseason. Jose Abreu, of course, the biggest free agency signing so far in the offseason. Uh, we talked about Tyler Anderson last week, but his deal was just about $39 million. Jose Abreu gets three years, $58.5 million from the Astros to play first base and most likely spend some time at DH for the Astros. What do you think of that signing, Mike? Like, What was your first impression when you heard the news? No, why the why improve the Astros? That's my first impression. I was hoping but, the Cubs were going to sign him, but I think I, I thought he wor- would have worked out well on a um, short term deal. Yeah, right. I think the Astros will get value out of it, guaranteed years one and two. Year three is that fringe, and right. I think that's what won him to the Astros. Is the Astros said, "You want two years? We'll give you the third, You know, and. Mm-hmm. They paid for their guy. They went and got him. Yeah. So the Astros won the uh, the Jose Abreu sweepstakes, but he was also rumored to go to the Cubs or the Padres, and I think both teams were lingering around that two-year deal. Um, I don't think the money is terrible, $58 million, which comes out to about 19 a year, which isn't awful. Right. But I think that third year is really going to kill him. He's going into year 36. He's going to be – and that is a I am 12 – 36 so who knows he's from cuba i know that's a big deal in the the game is you don't know necessarily how old the players actually are uh but these are ages 36 37 38 season what's his 38 year old season gonna be like i know they've got Jordan who can play the outfield but that's a dh you're gonna have to start to push jose to dh by that point because the fielding and they're even talking about potentially bringing yuli guriel back on probably a shorter term deal I mean, I think this makes their lineup even more stacked, right? I mean, like, Abreu's going to bat like sixth or seventh for them. Yeah, I think I saw a projection of five or six because you've got Jordan, you've got Pena, you've got uh, Altuve, you've got Bregman. Bregman, and also Kyle Tucker. Uh, you could go lefty-righty, lefty-righty, or righty-lefty if you needed to because of just the way that lineup stacks up. He's an upgrade on what Trey Mancini was in the back end of the playoffs last year and back into the season so the rich get richer uh and jose abreu is a whole lot richer as he's getting nearly 60 million dollars the other one that dropped also has a white Sox tie mike clevenger uh it's a one-year deal 12 million dollars as he goes into his age 32 season i was surprised at how early his signing was i knew he was a free agent but there wasn't a whole lot of buzz um Michael, what were your thoughts when you saw the Clevenger deal come through? What do you think it means for the White Sox? I think it's a great – I mean, that's $12 million is not a lot for a starting pitcher. And when Clevenger – I mean, he went over from the Indians at the time to the Padres on a three-year – three years left. They did pay a lot for him, and he immediately went down for Tommy John. Mm-hmm. And t- guys usually take – you know, when they come right back from Tommy John, not many guys – 
do well right away. It still takes time to really get the feel of that new ligament, maybe. Yeah, they normally say so, it takes about a year. Like, yeah, after so, you've started to come back throwing to get your control back. Right, right. And so I think the White Sox did well here. One-year deal on a guy? You can't, I mean, he, if he doesn't do well, they've got other options, maybe. Um, so great. I think it was a great move by, by the White Sox to get a high-risk uh, not high risk, high reward guy for only right. twelve million. Yeah, they say that right now about a win when it comes to war is about eight point two to eight point seven million dollars, depending on how you calculate it. Uh, and he's easily could be a two war player if he pitches the way he can. Now, which Mike Clevenger are you going to get? That's the question. But there's no bad one year deal when it comes to baseball. Right, mm-hmm. like, because he's off the books by the end of the season. So if he flops, okay, it was twelve twelve million dollars. Kyle, <clears throat> did you pay much attention to this? Do you like the signing for the White Sox, or how are you swaying on this? I'm with Mikey. Uh, well, <clears throat> and you as Mikey. well. I was. Well, that's what we call you in the group. Chat. I know. I just. <laughs> uh, um, I did not see him going one to the White Sox or so quickly, like you said. Um. But like Michael said, I think it's a very uh, low-risk, high-reward for the White Sox. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, a year, you don't get real – you don't feel your body back until after a year. So, I mean, he's either going to have an explosive season or he's going to have kind of what we saw in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So steamer projections are out, and they're giving him 151 innings with an ERA of 455 and a war of about one, which isn't terrible. Um, that would be about twelve million dollars worth of uh, wins. Four fifty-five ERA. Yeah, think about it. That's where he was last year with the Padres in one hundred and fourteen innings. He pitched uh, to a seven and seven record. He's going to be thirty-two. He's a lot older than I thought he was. He was with Cleveland for four and a half years before he got traded. Um, he did have one stud year in twenty nineteen. He had a two seven one ERA, but he only pitched one hundred twenty six innings. In eighteen, he did go to two hundred innings with thir- a three ERA. In both those years, he had over four WAR. Here is my thoughts on this. As far as the White Sox, I think what this does is it makes Giolito expendable. This is your final year on Lucas Giolito's contract. You're not going to get anything from him if you keep him. He's not happy with what the team did to him in the last offseason. They gave him a potential extension. I think it was four years, $55 million, and he turned it down because he was trying to bet on himself. He had a rough year, but uh, yeah. he should have taken the money after what happened this past year, but bygones, bygones, whatever. What this does, though, is it gives them five right-handed pitching starters. If you Oof. go through there, it's Dylan Cease, Giolito or Lance Lynn is their two or their three. And then their four becomes Clevenger, and then Michael Kopech is their five, who theoretically could be ahead of Clevenger, depending on how many innings they go with Kopech. So that's your five starters right now. I think if the White Sox are smart, they try to trade Lucas Giolito and get a second baseman or an outfield potential prospect or younger player to fill those positions that give you a little bit extra control. Because, like I said, this is Giolito's last year before he goes to free agency. Are the White Sox going to resign him? Probably not. So you want to get yeah. something for him. And what I think this does is if they like Clevenger enough, they can bring him back or give him a qualifying offer at the end of the year, which right. would get them There's more value money. To that. Right. So they could do that with Giolito. But 
if they've got a better chance at flipping Giolito because he's got the higher upside and potential right now from the years that he was in the top five of Cy Young candidacy, I think that's what that does for the White Sox. It's not a bad move. It's just not one that I think really moves the needle in one direction or the other. It's Dude, good teams, depth. Yeah, teams have to do, do – smart teams do that. They move players when they have chances to. The Rays are the best at it. This this – one of their star players is all of a sudden traded with two years left to control or one year left to control and they restock the system and they stay relevant year after year. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad, it's not a bad idea to have one year left. The Blue Jays just did it with Teoscar. He had mm-hmm. one year left and they just got a prospect, a, a top 10 prospect from a farm system. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree with you one bit. I, I do think that it does make Giolito expendable. So we'll see what that does for that. But uh, I do think it's a decent deal for the White Sox. I just don't think it makes them any better in their division or any worse. I think it just keeps them where they were because they've got a lot more to worry about on the offensive and defensive side of the ball than they did on the mound. Um, and then the man, the manager's uh, seat also is a big improvement going into 2023, in right, my opinion. Right. Well, Tony Larusa was a corpse on the bench at that point, so <laughs> he fell asleep. He he, he intentionally walked. Trey Turner with two strikes. So it I'm interested to see how the White Sox do this season, partially because my wife is a White Sox fan, but also uh just because growing in Chicago you've got those that that inner rivalry, right, between the two teams. Next signing is kind of one I'm brought I'm bringing up just because it's funny to me cuz I don't know what the hell is going on here. Carlos Santana, the baseball player, not the guitarist. Signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates for one year, $6.725 million. I don't think we would talk too much about a Pittsburgh Pirates signing, but we're all NL Central uh, opponents between the Reds and the Cubs. But also, do you know what the significance of this signing was with the Pirates? Either of you? Is he their highest paid player now? He's the highest free agent that they've signed in six years at six point seven two five million dollars. Oh, who? What, do you know the next? Who was next after that? Six years ago, six years ago, Daniel Hudson they signed for two years and eleven million dollars. So the average oh annual value is still greater than that. And I believe they let Hudson go after that season with a buyout. So that was six point five million dollars for that one season that he played. So that's how pitiful it has been for the Pirates fans in that organization of spending money. So $6.725 million is like buying Aaron Judge in the fact for the Pirates. They went from 2015 of winning 98 games mm-hmm. to... And hosting the wild card game with MVP candidate. I think McCutcheon won in 2014. Somewhere around there, yeah. maybe earlier. And I think it was earlier than that, like 2011, 10-ish, maybe. Kyle, you're the uh, statistician and the uh, the fact checker. Can you check us when uh, McCutcheon won his MVP? That, it just yep. tells you the Pirates. How poorly they yeah. have done since 2015. Yeah. So, and also, I don't Not know. Not the... on the field and in the, the GM box. Right. Uh, That's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. As far as... Uh, there goes Brandon Reaching 2013. From 2013. So it was in between both of ours. You said 11, I said 14. I'm closer. Uh, you went over, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, this right. isn't Price is Right, bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, 
So the Pirates signed Carlos Santana 6.7. But also, didn't they just trade for Choi, the first baseman from the Rays, like a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> so what the hell are they doing? That's another. And you know what they did last week right before they signed Santana? They claimed another first baseman, Diaz, from the Marlins off of waivers. And then when they signed Santana, they were like, oh, yeah, no, never mind. We're going to waive you too. And they designated him for assignment. Just one of those, what the hell is Pittsburgh doing? Do you know the GM's name? Is it's He's not Dabrowski anymore. I think he was there for a while. What was that, Kyle? Oh, it is who I think. It's Ben Sherrington. Oh, from the, he built the Red Sox World Championship in 18, or he was the general manager at that time. Unless, when did, when did Sherrington take over? Since 2019, he's been with the, uh, the Pirates. What's that guy doing? I don't know. Pirating. <laughs> what did he say? What'd you say? He said pirating. <laughs> Pirate's going to pirate. But the other one, um, Shelby Miller, the pitcher, uh, you may remember him because he was a Cardinal. Um, he just signed a deal, which was kind of. Uh, did he just come back from Japan? He's been all over the place. He's been trying to come back for a long time. I think he pitched with the Pirates too at one point. But. Uh, he is signing with the Dodgers to be a relief arm out of their pen at this point in time. That could be good for him. Instead of being starting. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I have no idea. Shelby Miller hasn't done anything since he played with the Diamondbacks, and I don't even think that was good when he pitched there. Let me, let me look up the statistics on that real quick. He pitched for the Pirates in 2021. He had pitched in 10 games. He had one at bat. No, why are they giving me statistics for you? Why did he, he pitched for the Cubs at one point in his career? Shelby Miller? Yeah, or he, at least in the minor league. Yeah, he was in the minors for a little bit. Uh, so in 2022, he had four games pitched with a 6.43 ERA um, with the Giants. Uh, he was with the Yankees at free agency uh, last year. Okay, so from 2012 to 2014, he pitched for the Cardinals. 15, he pitched for the Braves. 16, 17, 18. That was part of the uh, Dansby Swansea trade. Dansby Swanson trade, I believe. He had an 11-8-1 ERA. I can't believe they traded their number one overall pick. Uh, he pitched for the Cubs in 2021. He... Uh, had a 31.5 ERA. <laughs> and then he went to the Pirates, and then last year he played for the Giants. So it's been a a hard road back, to say the least. He went from – I'm trying to see some of the statistics here. This is riveting um, podcasting. He had a 3 ERA or sub 3.75 in his first four years. He had a 1-3-2 in six games with the Cardinals his rookie year. 13-3-0-6, 14-3-7-4, 15-3-0-2. 2016 with the Diamondbacks, 6-15. Then he got hurt, and he pitched to a 4-9 ERA, 4-0-9 ERA in 17 in four games. Pitched five games with Arizona in 18 19 in Texas. He pitched 19 games. Didn't pitch until, yeah. Just, he's had a hard road to come back, but I believe the Dodgers gave him a guaranteed deal. It is a major league deal. Which it's is not a minor league deal. It is a major league deal. Which is mind boggling. I mean, they have the depth and they have the money to drop them, but still. That was 1. just. 1.5 million. Yeah. 1.5 million? Mm hmm. Well, hopefully for our sake, that. Backfires on the Dodgers. Sorry, Dodger fans. Um, 
right after we signed off last week's podcast, Hunter Renfro got traded um, to the Angels. We didn't think it was that big of a deal, but if you look at Hunter Renfro's numbers, they're a little better than we thought. And he looks like just Mike. Did you see that comparison where he looks just like Mike Trout? <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I got to look at this picture now. Barstool was like... Uh... The Angels just signed another Mike Trout. Yeah. Oh, he kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. With a little more facial hair, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his, he can hit the ball on the ballpark. That's, I remember when he... who I forget who he was a prospect for. The Red Sox he came up with. The Padres, I think, is where he came up with. I think it was the Padres. And he was a big he was a big stick. They were anticipating him being a, bit, a high-power guy. And I think what his knock was was the average... Um, and that's what he hits home runs, but not for high average, but Hey, maybe he's one of those guys like Josh Donaldson, 27 years old. He finally clicked. So home runs 17, he hit 26, 18, he hit 26, 19, he hit 33, 2020. You kind of throw out because it was that 60 game season. He hit eight in 60 games. So if you multiply that by three, which would be a normal season, that's 24. And then in 2021 with the Red Sox, 31, 29 last year with Milwaukee. So he's consistently between 25 and 33 home runs. Uh, His average, uh, he strikes out at a 25 to 20. It's not, he doesn't strike out as much as he would think in his career. It's 25.9%, which is actually livable in this day and age. His war last year with the Brewers was 2.5. He hit 255. Last year in 259, the year before. His on-base percentage is where you get the knock, but his slugging is close to 500 every year. So 250 that's, batting average is the new 280, you know? Right. So 255, 315, 492. The only issue there is your on-base percentage, but with the slugging, you're over 800 with an OPS. He's had an over 800 OPS uh, the last two seasons as he's going into age 31 season. I This is a low-key under the... Table move that I think should help that lineup. Um, whether or not they're going to be healthy, that's the other question, right? Because you've got uh, what's his the third baseman that's Anthony Rendon, Rendon, who's been hurt since he signed with the Angels. So, well, they just the Angels got a third baseman too, didn't they? I don't I recently. Don't know. I don't believe so. Oh, but. It's a, it's a low-key, I think it's a decent trade for the Angels, and I think the Brewers get a couple of pitchers and players back. I know, I know they literally got junk back. That's the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, they just name. got uh, Gio Urshela. Oh, yeah, they the traded to, to the Twins. That's right. Mm-hmm. I did read that. So do you DH Let's Rendon? Let's back up from Rendon. I think you have to keep the dude healthy. Right. I mean, the dude hasn't played a full season since he signed the mega deal with him. It's like what happened oh. with Pujols. Yeah. The other thing I wrote down here, I didn't have it on the agenda. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> that's the can, that's the heat that we were talking about earlier that wasn't there but now is present. Uh, Kyle, this one's more for you because we were kind of laughing at it yesterday. Joey Votto. Oh, my gosh. So first Just off, tournament, baby. First off, he's taking swings again after shoulder and bicep surgery. But the funny thing was the chest stuff. If and Nobody's seen this. Ex- explain oh, what why? happened, Kyle. He looks like Michael on an average day. (laughs) (laughs) No, he had the full like white button up suspenders, like glasses like these. Uh, I mean, the still the full full beard, full beard, 
chucks pants up high tall socks like and it was just like going to my first chess tournament and i think he got rolled out by a nine-year-old it said or at least that's how he responded it was to like Red's seven Twitter. to nine-year-olds yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys tra- you guys talk trash about me while you guys are at work in- together is that what happens not just no, you. that was the first time he mentioned that it looked like you he was just doing it on a podcast but yeah usually we talk trash <laughs> about you just like you and i talk trash about him when we have texts and then when you guys talk to each other you probably talk trash about me who is this? Joey. Uh, Joey Votto. Uh, you know, that first baseman who plays for the G-O-A-T. <laughs> Why is he a goat? I'm looking, to, I'm, Why is I'm he looking goat? this up. With that's the what, suspenders? That's what, that's, what you think, that's what you think I do. I look like He was making basis. fun of you, Michael. Uh, look, man, I haven't seen you I don't in get two it. weeks. I, I don't see the connection. It's definitely the bushy beard. <laughs> it's definitely Dude, I could I can't grow facial hair. <laughs> he looks like Santa Claus before his beard turned white. That's that's how I would describe that picture. Yeah. Uh, I don't Wrong know. Camera. Well, no, he's showing it to the camera that he's recording on. The Skype oh, camera yeah. we're using is a different camera. For those of you at home listening, this is riveting podcasting yet again. Uh okay, so moving on. Next week is actually a very big week Come within the off season. We're probably going to have a lot of baseball talk on our Instagram page starting Sunday is the winter meetings, which is usually the hotbed for not only rumors, but signings. And also there's some changes this year that they're going to be talking about. But the first one is just free agency. This is when free agents get in front of those teams and those representatives and their agents talk with the, uh, the representatives of the teams, the general managers. This is where you see a lot of the big signings. Do you anticipate yeah. a big signing this weekend in everything going from there or do you think it's going to be this quiet? weekend? It starts on Sunday, December 4th. So I saw that they anticipate Jacob deGrom to uh, sign this weekend. And I think uh, deGrom, Rodon, and one more name. Um, I can't remember who the third one was, but they expect both of them to sign within the next week. And I think deGrom is the guy that's holding up this market right now. DeGrom right. and Judge are the two, but I don't think Judge is what's holding up most of the market. It's more so DeGrom, because if DeGrom goes to X, then Y has to go a different direction and vice versa. Because DeGrom... The dominoes could, fall. Yeah, DeGrom could potentially go back to the Mets. I've heard him to the don't Yankees. I've heard him to the Braves. No, I've heard it, it to, yes. the, to the Rangers. I've heard the Giants okay. have looked into it. That's fine, too. And I even read this morning that the Tampa Bay Rays have looked into talking out with De- Jacob DeGrom. I thought that was funny. Because they are not going to spend I, anything more than twenty million dollars. So it's a one-year deal. But it'd be like an eighty if they did two years, eighty million. That's more right. than their average like value that they typically do of like sixty-seven million. Right. Maybe it's they're, maybe they're finally saying, okay, we've got to get people into this ballpark or something along those lines. But I wouldn't be surprised if once Degrom signs, you see where Verlander and then Rodon go, and then the dominoes continue to fall from there. Uh, on the pitching side of things, especially I think on the, the pitching side. Of side it's going to be the shortstops. Right. And I think Trey Turner's that first. I think Trey Turner's top tier. The more and more I see, a lot of people are saying, Cameron Mabrin just said the other day that uh, he thought Trey Turner was the um, the best shortstop on the market. Uh, and I've seen a lot of other publications say that Trey Turner is the best one out there. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting. It's going to be a hellfire couple of days because not only do you have free agency, you get a bunch of trades that t- tend to come out of that because all the general managers are there. Um, I love the GM meetings usually. And then there's normally it caps off with the rule five draft, um, with the winter meetings where each team goes through the rule five draft, but another wrinkle for the first time ever, they're doing the draft lottery this year. So they're actually oh, going I to didn't know do that. the lottery of who drafts where because in recent years, you just drafted by the position you finished. The worst team in the league got the first pick, et cetera, from there. This year, the way it stacks up is it's a draft. It's a lottery um, for that draft. So we're all going to find out who's drafting in what order, who had the worst record, has a better percentage, yada, yada, yada. But th- this is the first time that that's going to happen. That happens on December 6th. So a lot going on here, December 4th through the 7th. So make sure you're paying attention to our Instagram page, our Twitter page, uh, and just Twitter in general. And that's probably your best go-to. Um, but with the new rules on Twitter and the whole checkmark thing, just make sure you're getting the right sources on that. Uh, I just I almost got duped the other day. It said Giolito got traded to the Twins. I was like, why would they trade in division? It was some guy who bought a checkmark. So um, just keep that in mind. So next week is going to be Helter Skelter, and we're hoping to record next Tuesday. So most of that action will have already happened. Uh, so keep an eye on that. That is when you can expect our next recording, and that's where we're jumping into the what to watch for next. We've got a lot up our sleeves. Kyle's been doing these um, uh, Tops Tuesdays, their Tuesday trading card reviews. One dropped out there yesterday. So if you haven't seen that, a couple of cool baseball cards. Which was which has been the favorite one you've pulled so far, Kyle? See, I just opened up the rest, so... <laughs> so, you may... <laughs> so, Wander Franco was the one that just debuted this week. It was a rookie card, too, I believe, the right? Wander yeah. rookie, holographic. Um, Schwarber was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was just yeah. in town here this past weekend for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, pulling a Jose Abreu on the week <laughs> he got trade was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, we've got some big... Big names coming in the next couple weeks. Oh, spoiler. So go check that out. Uh, That, again, is on our Instagram page. And also YouTube Shorts. You can see the videos there. Uh, Trading Card Tuesdays. So Kyle's got that coming up. We've got more bourbon reviews. Michael and I have a couple up our sleeve. That'll be coming up out of the next couple of weeks. And then, of course, free agency news. And then we're going to have some podcasts where you can learn about us. What drives us? Why do we like baseball? What got us into bourbon and all of that? So be on the lookout for that over the next couple of weeks. We've got a lot coming on. Uh, We're also going to be hopefully making some food with bourbon uh, here shortly. Uh, What are we calling that? Case Kitchen? Yeah. Do you mean at drinking bourbon while making food? That and making food with the, you know, but this one has the food with bourbon in it. And I've seen a couple of cool recipes that Kyle's got, so you may want to check this out. Right in time for the holidays. Yeah, right in time for the holidays. For your, for your, for your, uh, My world-famous bourbon balls. I love when your balls are full okay, of bourbon. Okay, so I'm anyways, out. See ya. <laughs> well, the chocolate and it is after dark, is it not? Um, so, as always, you can... be a great Festivus snack to take. Is there these bourbon recipes? I know some people like from Seinfeld, Festivus. What did, did you, you say? You say Seinfeld? Seinfeld. It's Seinfeld. What did I say? You said Seinfeld, Seinfeld like the field that you play on. Put your uh, white not, shirt on. Fun, yeah, your... you make fun of me. I said, it's on, bitch. <laughs> it's on, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> 
Come on, Jerry Votto, dress the part. But <laughs> as always, you can find us on Instagram. We just hit our 100th post. We're at 527 followers. So thank you to all of you at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Facebook, Barrels and Barrels Pod. Twitter, at Barrels and Barrels. YouTube, Barrels and Barrels with the uh, and sign. But you can use the Barrels and Barrels Pod at the end of YouTube.com to find us there. Email is barrelsandbarrels at gmail.com. Michael, what is your Instagram follow? Or handle, excuse me. My my follow. Where can they uh, follow you? My they can find me at B N B underscore Burns. And Kyle, where you at? Everywhere. But you can find <laughs> me at B underscore B underscore Rhodes. And I am whiskey oh, underscore weather. I just hit two thousand followers on Instagram. So thank you to each and every one man. of you. Yes, um, you hit a two that went from one thousand to two thousand quick. Yeah, I had a one That's post. What that. happens when you got money? <laughs> and the one real one post that just goes viral for no reason <laughs> and gets you seven hundred and eighty followers or whatever it was in a week and a half. Um, yeah, but over I think at last I looked it was one hundred and fifteen thousand views, and it wasn't even anything like fun or. I mean, it was just like a, hey, show me a your classic. Collection. Yeah. So, hey, show me your, oh, that's not what I thought that was going. <laughs> uh, that is, <laughs> that's on our Patreon, uh, which we'll be soon setting up where you can pay us for Michael's feet pictures. Exclusive content, baby. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, as well as Google and iHeartRadio podcasts. But if you haven't heard the news and somehow you didn't hear it the first five minutes of the podcast, we're now on Amazon Music Podcasts. So you can check that out. That is a bigger grow. I believe there's 55 million people on Amazon Music at least using it. So, uh, And it comes free with your Amazon Prime. So if you got Amazon Prime, listen to us on Amazon Music as I mentioned, Spotify, Apple, Google. You can click the link in our Instagram page on our bio, and that has our um, link tree with all the links that are uh, out there. We also have stickers, too. If you want a sticker, $2. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. You know, showing the, they're the guys showing out our uh, stickers. I just got this shirt for my birthday from my wife. Maybe we'll have some shirts down the road. I know Ben said he would be buying some Glens if we ever get those. Again, please rate us and review us. We'll shout you out like we did with our reviewer earlier on in the show. Michael, Kyle, any last words for our listeners? GM meetings, baby. Be ready. GM Hope meetings happened are... last last month. It's going to be the winter meetings. <sighs> Gotta cut. Let's go. <laughs> go, grab right, let's a, go. Go grab a bottle of Heaven Hill for $50. Don't spend anything more than 55 Okay? That's what I say. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to Episode 10 of Barrels and Barrels, the Bourbon and Baseball Podcast. Thank you to each and every one of you. Have a great rest of your week, and happy December. Merry Christmas. Let's go.